Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Next, on the OHIO podcast, we preview Ohio State's game against Rutgers, and we answer your true-false statements. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? Be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Fox, recording live from beautiful North Central Ohio. And I am joined by both my co-hosts. Hey, before we get started, guys, um, let's send out a little prayer for our, our, our fan up north uh, Sean Butler, he lives down there in Florida, and I don't know if you guys saw the pictures, but he got drilled by that storm. Um, oh, wow. So it, and it was so bad, Chris. He has a picture of himself fishing off of his, uh, um, I guess, front patio onto the street that he lives on. Wow, yeah, I saw some of the pictures <laughs> coming across the news network, so I'll tell yeah. you something. Yeah, so him, Lenny Zabo, we hope you're all doing good down there in Florida, all of our uh, a Buckeye, um, Buckeye fans down there in the Sunshine State who normally listen to us. Obviously, if you listen to this, we're you're in our thoughts and prayers. Uh, the voice you heard that was Chris, and the chuckle you heard that was Aaron. Aaron, how's things going in Texas? Starting to cool down. If you consider like 95 cool. God, you're a jerk. No, I'm not, because it's miserable. <laughs> oh, I'd take 95. It's getting real cold here, which means Chris is a happy camper. Oh, I'm a, I'm loving this stuff, Eric. I'm just waiting for the snow to start falling. I'll tell you right now, I was driving home, couldn't help it, had to stop, got myself a new Christmas decoration. Well, here we go. I got, I got myself my Santa gnome. Dude, already? You know, it, it's a fight right now between me and my daughter about whether I'm going to get my decorations up between now or before Halloween. I just heard Bobby say no in the background. There it is. Well, you did yeah. just hear Bobby say no Decis- in the background. The decision's been made there, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, Chris, before we tell everybody about the Buckeyes, Brats, and Brews that we're going to be attending next weekend, uh, you got a pretty cool story from the Ohio State store and lots more today. Why don't you share that with everybody? Well, yeah, Eric, I'm feeling a little bit, you know, kind of, I don't know what you call it, Facebook famous since we podcast, but uh, – we had a uh, listener stop by the store today. Uh, Teresa Edson stopped in, got a few uh, supplies for her next Buckeye adventure. Uh, you know, it was really nice getting a chance to talk with her. She said she listens to us all the time. 
asked when we were going to put out our Rutgers uh, preview show. I uh, let her know we were going to be recording tonight. And, and I'll tell you guys, thankfully, she reminded me because I was still living in Wednesday and I didn't have show notes till she said something to me. <laughs> this week has kind of gone by, hasn't it? Well, you know, I, I've been bouncing around from school to school. I had kindergartners this week, preschoolers last week. Uh, you know, it's it's been uh, yeah, it's been an adventure. Next Saturday, October eighth, Chris and I we will be taking the show on the road to the Buckeyes, Brats, and Brews Bash at the Marietta Elks Lodge, number four four seven seven in Marietta, Ohio. That's located at four one four Colgate Drive in Marietta. Uh, doors open at 2 p.m. Of course, the uh, game starts at 4 against uh, Michigan State. And our buddy Mike Wargo, uh, he will be there as well as uh, former Buckeye Jamal Luke. They will both be there to sign autographs, take pictures with people. And, uh, well, uh, since you're Facebook famous, maybe someone wants to take a picture with you too, Chris. Uh, we had a whole group of people in Pittsburgh take our, their picture with us. Oh, yeah. We had such a great time in Pittsburgh. Always a good time when, when, when Mike's helping throw the party, man. It, it, so, exactly, exactly. I'm telling you, I can't wait to see what happens next weekend. Well, it's gonna be it's gonna be great when you have brats and brews in, in, in involved. I'm sure it's gonna be a good time. So, uh, we want to invite all of our listeners in Southeast Ohio, or if you just want to take a nice little road trip, come down to Marietta. It's open to the public. It's absolutely free. It's at the Elks Lodge in Marietta. 414 Colgate Drive in Marietta. Show starts at 2 o'clock. <clears throat> Chris, we're going to be doing a live podcast from there uh, as far as uh, on, on spot. Be doing some interviews with Mike Wargo. Jamal will be playing games. Um, they've got all kinds of things, um, activities, including kids' activities, believe it or not. But uh, they've got a lottery ticket raffle. They've got a liquor wheel, which that just sounds like uh, trouble. Uh, if you ask Either me. one of those could get me in a whole lot of trouble, Eric. <laughs> Cornhole. Uh, they've got a 50-50 raffle. They're going to have four big screen TVs set up. They say their buckets of beer are six beers for $12. Man, I, it, I, they don't, don't even get that sell. stadium. <laughs> no kidding. It's open to the public. And, of course, they said the podcast is going to be presented by the OHIO Podcast. And that's us. So we're going to be there. It's going to be a great time. We want to invite all of you out there next Saturday, October 8th, uh, for the first away game for our Buckeyes. Last home game before they go on the road to take on Sparty. And guys, I'll just be honest with you. The second part of this show is going to be much more entertaining because, Aaron, Rutgers is, as you like to say, trash. Dumpster juice, son. Softer than than baby crap, (laughs) for sure. Let's dive into the Scarlet Knight, shall we? There's not a whole lot to talk about here, but let's try our very, very best to at least give you a smidgen of a preview before this Saturday. And then the second part of this show, we're going to have a, a true or false that's going to be awesome because it's all fan submitted. And boy, there's some really good ones. All right. Ohio State versus Rutgers by the numbers. Of course, Ohio State leads the all time series eight games. 2-0. Last year, the Buckeyes won 52-13, to and that was in Piscataway, New Jersey. Last time they played in Seabus, well, that was back in the shortened 2020 season. Uh, that was actually the closest game between Ohio State and Rutgers, and it was an Ohio State 49-27 to victory. As I recall, I believe, Chris, that was the game when Shiano brought out all the trick plays imaginable oh, yeah. to keep that thing close. Largest margin of victory, well, that was back in 2016 under Urban Meyer. It was a 58-0 shellacking. And, um, of course, here's an interesting little note for you. Ryan Day's record against Rutgers all-time, well, he's a 3-0. and And Greg Schiano's record against Ohio State all-time is 0-2. Ohio State has never scored less than 49 points in those eight games against Rutgers, while the Scarlet Knights have never scored more than 27. Only two times have they scored in the 20s, and 
They have been shut out twice by the Buckeyes, and they've been kept out of the end zone three out of those eight games. Guys, given what we have seen from Ohio State the past couple weeks, I'm looking for more of the same come this Saturday. Chris, why don't you break down statistically what we can expect from both the Buckeyes and the Ruck and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights heading into Saturday's homecoming in the shoe? Well, guys, this could be a rough one for the Scarlet Knights. Rutgers comes in ranked 96th in the nation in yards gained offensively per game. They are only 84th in the nation and scoring at 28.5 points a game. The offense is led by quarterback Evan Simon. Simon comes in 55 of 89 for 556. Three touchdowns, again, two interceptions. Simon is, however, coming off his first 300-yard passing game versus a pretty stingy Iowa defense where he was 28 of 49 for 300 yards. He did have a touchdown, but he also had two interceptions. Now, it's running back by committee for the Scarlet Knights, guys. Rutgers has five rushers with over 100 yards this season, but no one with 200 yards. Leading the way is sophomore Kyle Menangi. We'll go with that. He has 42 carries for 157 yards and two touchdowns. Sophomore running back Al Shady Salam is second with 25 carries for 145 yards and two touchdowns. And freshman running back Samuel Brown has 27 carries for 131 yards and two touchdowns. Perhaps the most interesting stat among those 400-yard or five 100-yard uh, rushers is tight end Johnny Langan has more rushing yards than receiving yards this season. He's got 19 carries for 120 yards. He's only got eight catches for 86 yards and a touchdown on the season. Rounding out those 100-yard rushers is backup quarterback Gavin Wimsett, who carried the ball 13 times for 106 yards this season. Now, while it's running back by committee, there is no question about the pecking order at wide receiver. Aaron Crookshank leads the team with 18 receptions for 156 yards and two touchdowns. Shameen Jones is second on the team with eight receptions for 101. Guys, this is not a prolific passing offense, as you can tell. They do have a legitimate deep threat in sophomore Chris Long. However, he's seen limited action this season. For the Scarlet Knights this year, the wideout has four catches, but he is averaging 22.5 per catch and does have a touchdown in his four receptions. Going over to the defensive side of the ball, well, Rutgers has the, the nation's ninth best defense coming in against the Buckeyes. They're allowing 249.5 yards per game and just 4.16 yards per play. The defense is very stingy, surrendering only 17.25 points per game. The team has forced seven turnovers through four games, including five interceptions and two fumbles, and they have 16 passes defended during that time as well. They do also have one defensive touchdown. Now, defensive back Christian Isaiah, he leads the team in tackles with 33. He's also tied for the team lead in defended passes with two. Defensive tackle Wesley Bailey, he's the team's sack leader. He's got two and a half to go with his nine tackles. They got a couple of fairly decent linebackers, one of those being Tyreen Powell. He's pretty solid in coverage. He's got one pass defended. He's got 22 tackles, and he does have two sacks on the season as well. And defensive back Roger Longerbeam is the team's interception leader. He's got two. He's also tied for the team lead in forced fumbles with one. He has 13 tackles, and he has a sack on the season. Now, this is a solid defensive team against teams like Iowa, Temple, Wagner, and Boston College. It's going to be kind of interesting to see how they fare against a pretty explosive Ohio State offense and see if they can actually perform like a top 10 defense against real competition. So let's talk a little bit about that Ohio State offense. Ohio State is currently second in the nation in offensive yards gained at 558.8. They're third in the nation at scoring at 48.8 yards per game. The team is, of course, led by Heisman candidate C.J. Stroud. Stroud has 79, or is 79 of 112 on the season. He's got 1,222 yards passing, 16 touchdowns versus only one interception. 
We have a two-headed monster in the backfield at Ohio State with Travion Henderson, who has 50 carries for 318 yards and three touchdowns. And then Mayan Williams with 308 yards and three touchdowns on the season, trailing Henderson by just a few carries. Ameka Ekbuka comes in as the leading receiver on the team. He has 26 uh, receptions, which is best on the team. He has 442 yards, also best on the team. And he is tied for the team lead with five touchdowns. Along with Ekbuka, we have Marvin Harrison Jr., who comes in with 21 catches for 387. He has five touchdowns. Cade Stover having an extremely solid season, maybe one of the best we've seen from a tight end. I don't know since maybe Ben Hartsock uh, a few years back there. Uh, and he's got 12 catches for 188 yards, two touchdowns, at least four full body flips, and a finally healthy Julian Fleming. He has contributed seven catches for 90 yards, three touchdowns on the season. And guys, this doesn't even include the best receiver in college football in Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's been sidelined by injury most of this season. Now, defensively, and we've talked a lot about what would happen if Ohio State had a top 20 defense. Guys, we come into this this, uh, game ranked 18th in the country in yards surrendered. This team has given up less yards to its four opponents combined than C.J. Stroud has passed for this season. The Buckeyes defense has only surrendered 1,132 yards on the season over the four games, an average of 283 per game. They're only giving up 4.8 yards per play. Uh, And a lot of that yardage has come in trash time versus the second-team defense. Ohio State is 21st in scoring defense, allowing only 16 points a game on average. The defense, of course, is led by that tackling beast known as Tommy Eichenberg. Eichenberg comes in with 33 tackles and two sacks over the four games. Twice this year already, he has been named the Big Ten, either the defensive or co-defensive player of the week. We have five players accounting for nine sacks this season. Eichenberg, Sawyer, Mike Hall Jr., and Javon, uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste all have two, and they are tied for the team lead. The other remaining sack goes to linebacker Steel Chambers, who does have one on the season. The Buckeyes have two interceptions this year as well, one by Ronnie Hickman uh, versus Toledo, and the other was that big momentum changer last week, which pretty much sunk the Badgers early by Tanner McAllister. Guys, this defense is way improved this season. It all starts up front where we are making quarterbacks uncomfortable. We have solid linebacker play. Three of our top four tacklers are at the linebacker position on the season. Uh, you know, and the defensive backs, while we've struggled, you know, they're containing defenses. I think Rutgers is going to have an extremely difficult time moving the ball on this Buckeye defense. But, Aaron, tell me if I'm wrong. You are not wrong. Not one single bit. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I feel like Rutgers is extremely soft all the way across the board. I mean, they do have a couple guys. That's that's going to be every team there. You know, every team that we face is going to have a couple guys. But for the most part, this team is extremely soft and and vanilla. If you ask me, I, I watched I watched them play uh, Boston College in Iowa. That's where I got my film breakdown for this week, because I felt like uh, whatever I was going to see against Wagner was probably a waste of time. Um, and then I forget who else they played, but uh, I, probably not going to get much out of that either. Um but looking at their looking at Rutgers offense, um, if we get a lot of pressure, uh, their quarterbacks will throw ill-advised passes. Their O-line looks weak. Um, Boston College and Iowa, for that matter, not exactly defensive juggernauts this season. Um, they did pretty well against that offensive line. Uh, Rutgers, as far as like their what they do, uh, they run a ton of 11, uh, 10 and 11 personnel, uh, and they didn't really do much else. They're Like I said, they're very vanilla. Uh, what they will do, though, is switch their personnel around. So you mentioned the name Johnny Langan earlier. He used to be their quarterback, but he is one of their best athletes, and that's why he has you know so many rushing yards and receiving yards. And uh, Not that those were great numbers, but compared to the rest of the, of the team – He's kind of their guy, you know, he's the, he's their athlete. So out of 10 personnel, 
Uh, what I noticed, they like to do running back motion to the flats. And what that is, is a distraction because they will run a wide receiver screen to the middle. And uh, as long as the linebackers stay home and read their keys and do the right thing, that's a non-issue. Uh, the, out of 10 personnel, they also like to do two running back sets. So I guess that's really 20 personnel. But for the sake of this, we'll call it 10 because they're they're weird how they do things. Uh, two running back sets, they do a lot of read option out of that. Um, and 10 personnel, they also like to do a lot of quick comeback routes, so short. Uh, typically, those are like 15, 20 yards. They'll do like 10 to 15. Um, out of 11 personnel, they'll run a lot of tight end. This is where you'll see Johnny Langan really, really show up. Uh, so tight end wing motion pass to the flats. A lot of times that's to Johnny Langan. Uh, they also like to hit their tight ends through the seams. Uh, they'll run split zone read option, and they are not too bad at running that, surprisingly. Um, they had a lot of success against Boston College with it. Um, they also like to do RPOs, uh, and then uh, a little trickery they like to do, uh, they'll run trips out of 11 personnel, and they'll run a reverse, and they do this, I, I saw them run it at least four times between the two games that I watched, uh, Johnny Langan will be at quarterback, like they'll put him back there, and this is what I mean when I say they'll switch their uh, personnel around a little bit, like he primarily plays tight end, but they will put him at running back, and they will put him at quarterback and let him do his thing. Um, but they will have him at quarterback and then he'll hand it off like it's a sweep or a read. And this is, this is like the trickery that I was talking about. It's not so much the traditional trick play, the old flea flicker, but he'll, uh, he'll do like a read option. But if he hands it off, the run, uh, one of the wide receivers out of trips will come back around and the running back will either keep it or he will hand it off. And they get a lot of successful runs out of that. And I don't mean like 70 yard runs, but enough to, to do some damage to get get a first down or get close to it um so basically on defense ohio state needs the linebackers to stay home and be disciplined um pressure the quarterback blitz put the pressure on these guys make them throw those ill-advised passes show that show the world that uh, this offensive line is as weak as they look on film um rutgers also likes to do uh, inside, outside zone, surprise, surprise. That's basically the nature of the spread offense these days. Um, but as far as coverage, I think what I saw a lot, uh, cover three worked really well. Uh, and then, man, that worked really well because their wide receivers are not – there's nothing to write home about on this offense. I'm, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that, okay? Now, moving to Rutgers defense, they run a multi-defense. I saw them run 4-3. They had a 4-2-5. Uh, they had 4-2-5 with a stand-up similar uh, to how we do it. 3-3-5, um, three, three, they, they mix it up quite a bit. They will blitz from the corner position. Uh, linebacker coverage looked pretty weak. Uh, they do have the one guy that Chris talked about, but he's not like all world. Okay, so he's he is totally beatable, and he's – you'll see. Uh, they do disguise their coverages quite well. They'll walk up the linebackers, drop them into coverage, um, and then they'll also run zone blitz out of that. So the idea there is to confuse the opposing quarterback, make him think that they're coming. And honestly, that it worked against Boston College a little bit. Uh, they've had a couple fumbles um, because of I, I don't think their quarterback could handle seeing that. He was anticipating like seven guys coming at him when only like three or four did. So he messed up. He made mistakes. I don't think that's going to happen with C.J. Stroud. I think we are better coached than that. Um, but something that did uh, kind of catch my eye is, is Rutgers is actually quite good at running the cover two. Uh, they create this little window where the quarterback has to throw an accurate and timely pass. And if not, they will get an interception. They, they, they'll bat the ball down. They, they play pretty solid cover two defense. Um, but on the flip side, the whole defense is not very great at tackling. And again, they're soft. Um, Iowa absolutely pushed them around. So, uh, and I, and listen, I know that, that Iowa's bread and butter is tight end passing and running the ball, but Rutgers just, you know, we, we talked about Iowa earlier this season, this, the first game, they didn't even score a touchdown. It was like a field goal and two safeties or something. So, uh, this is not a great Iowa offense. So for them to be shoving Rutgers around like that, 
I think that ninth overall or that ninth ranking nationally is really clouded by the game with Wagner. Um, Ohio State on offense, what we can do to beat them is pretty much anything we want, if I'm being honest. Uh, but if you want some specifics, I could see tight end seams, uh, seam routes, uh, little out routes. I could see that being a good a good option. Shallow crossing routes worked well. Uh, running back screen, Boston College hurt them pretty bad. So did Iowa with that. Um, on cover three, uh, if they show cover three, I think that's a really good opportunity to go deep. Now, listen, OK, I watched the Iowa film. Sam Laporta, their tight end, is not what I think of when I think of fast runners. OK, and he beat them deep on a single high safety look. So imagine our wide receivers. Imagine Cade Stover. OK, I think this is a really good opportunity for the offense to pad some stats and honestly, I, I, I don't see this game going any differently than what history has shown us, where Ohio State scores less than 49 and they score more than 27. In fact, I think it's going to be a lot worse than that. Um, and defensively, I think it's a good opportunity for Ohio State. Uh, the young guys, the young corners that we saw play against Wisconsin, I think it's, it's an, another good opportunity for them to get some in-game experience, learn some things, get some experience, uh, create turnovers again. Uh, this is a really good game uh, to get that experience in there. <clears throat> so tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, Saturday, I'm going to the game. Uh, Aaron, this is uh, gonna. This is a day I have dreamed about. I'm taking my son to his first Ohio State game. Awesome. Yeah. That's gonna be great. I know. And well, I asked him. I said, any game other than Notre Dame in, in, in Michigan, any other game on the schedule, you get to choose what you want to go to. And he said, he laughed. He says, I want to go to Rutgers. I went, what? Rutgers? Why? He goes, so I can watch a score a ton of points. Well, that's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> it is. This is going to be eerily reminiscent to Toledo, I think. Yeah, I've got 63 to 6. I think we hold them out of the end zone a couple field goals, 63 to 6. Chris? All right, so yeah, Eric, I actually was very close to you. I had it at 63 to 3. All right, and Aaron, your prediction. Oh, I'm going to say 70 to 10. All right, and we're all about right, right in the same ballpark there, so I'm liking it. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We come back, we've got the true – or false statements from you fans. We got our Big Ten power rankings. Uh, so we've got some stuff we need to do, but you're going to love this true or false. So hang around. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360 degree high definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. All right. First off, I got to say, at first I was like, where is where, where, where is all you at? Like, where, where, Come on, man. Last week we had like two questions. Uh, and the first for the first 24 hours when I threw this opportunity out, the only one person replied with anything good. And then today the bomb was dropped. We got some good ones. Let's start with Jeff DeBrosi. True or false? Five Buckeyes will be taken in the first round of the 2023 NFL draft. Now, before we answer this, let's think about this for a second. Right away, I can think of C.J. Stroud. I can think of the left tackle, Jones, right? Or uh, Johnson. Um, what about Eichenberg? Is he quickly becoming a first-round draft pick? Uh, JSN, obviously, there's there's three. I think Eichenberg would go high second round right now. He just doesn't – I just don't think he has the body of work. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. If it was me, I'd take him first round. But I think that in the eyes of the NFL, I don't know that he has the body of work. Paris Johnson Jr., that's who I was thinking of at left tackle. 
CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith, the Jigger, Njigba, Paris Johnson Jr. Those are, I think, three guaranteed first round draft picks. I think I think Tommy Eichenberg's a possibility. I think it's possible. Ronnie Hickman? No. Second round? Third round? Probably third or fourth. Cameron Brown. Can't stay. No. Down, yeah, he's he's not. I, I like him. He's good, but I don't know I that he's, he's first round. About his health. Yep. I think his health is an issue. Dewan Jones. Possibly. <laughs> I think that if he gets invited to the combine and he performs well, I think that he could earn his way into it. Kate Stover. Jeremy what is his in the second? What is Kate Stover's height? I don't know. That's a good that's, question. That's because that's gonna that's gonna matter at tight end. That's that will matter. Oh, let's look that up real fast while you do that. So we're we're on the verge of saying three guaranteed, maybe four. He's six four two fifty five. Yeah, I don't know that that's first round. No. Notice that a lot of NFL tight ends are six, six, six five six 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 seven with bigger bodies. Okay, so we're going to say false. Yeah. All right. You agree with that, uh, Chris? False? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's false as well. We're at three, maybe four. I think. Who did we – who's our three that we said for sure? Uh, JSN. JSN, CJ Stroud, and, and Paris Johnson Jr. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I, – I think that's about what we got right now. Now, I think – there are some possibilities for future first rounders, but it won't be in this year's draft because they're sophomores. I'm um, with that. Yep, I right. agree. I mean, JT Tumulau, Sawyer, uh, you've got uh, Travion Henderson. Oh, we forgot Mayan Williams. Is I was just saying. I was just gonna say, what about if Mayan goes over a thousand yards? No, he still won't go in the first. He still won't go yeah, in the first round. He won't. You got to be Derrick Henry good to get first round, and yep. he's he. We love Mayan; he's great, mm-hmm. but he's not Derrick Henry. See yeah. Saquon Barkley; those are yeah, guys. Yeah. All right, <clears throat> Brian Lee Oberst. Who I don't like this one. Jackson Smith and the Jigba will not play for the rest of the season. True or false? False. That's false. Not over a ha- not over a hammy. You say that like it's no big deal. I I had a hammy injury, man. That thing lingered all season. Yeah, I've I've played with it too, but it's he's he's gonna play. He's he's, he's not he, he it it may take a few more games, you know what I mean? But he's gonna play again. My theory is is that he could play. They're just holding him out because they don't want it to be re-injured, and there's no reason for him to play at this moment. Agreed. I think Agreed. so. Yeah, there's no reason. We get look at the receiving core that we have and look how they've performed. They're killing it. Yep. Eric Osbeck, Maryland is not going to improve and be the giant killer we thought they were. True. I'll say false. I don't know that they'll be a giant killer, but they will get better. The only way they don't is if they have like the injury situation they did last year. Yeah. I- I think they get better, and I sure the hell hope they're not a giant killer because there's only one giant left on their schedule. That's I was yeah. At Penn State. I don't count Penn State as a giant yet. Ooh. Ooh. Where's Kevin? Kevin. At? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go on. Oh, All right. Man, Chris just threw the gauntlet out and said, "Steel cage, Kevin." <laughs> huh. Oh shoot! Got wow. him. That was that was that was with fire too. Yeah. He was like, I'm gonna put some hot sauce on that statement. <laughs> uh I'm going to say false, but I believe it's false because I think Maryland had if Maryland would have cleaned up a couple things, they would have won that game again in the big house last week. Oh yeah. Yes. And so th- here's what's scary. They get us at home. The week before the game. That's a trap game. It is big time, big time trap. All right. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, There's a couple more I wanted to. Tom Hunt. I think he's talking about this weekend. Dallin Hayden will get more playing time and gain more yards than either Henderson or Williams. 
I think he's talking about this Saturday since it's against. I I think that could be true, only because I could see Henderson and Williams splitting the playing time, and then it getting so out of control that Hayden's in there because Day doesn't want to risk the other two guys' health. Yeah. I, I, I could see them getting the JSN treatment for sure. I You know, if, if we're up 49 to whatever, uh, a lot a to a little at halftime, that's that's a for sure thing right there. I, there's no reason for those the other two to be in the game, like let Dallin Hayden get his experience in there. So I, I, I'll go with true. Yeah, good good one, Tom. I'm, we're, well, yeah. three of us say true. Um, I, I agree. I think that this is a, a, a stat padding opportunity for C.J. Stroud. To, to he's he's got the lead in the Heisman. Ryan Day knows that, and Ryan Day is no dummy. He knows if he can get a Heisman winning quarterback, what that does for recruiting moving forward. So he's going to pad some stats if he gets the opportunity. Here's a hey, wait wait a minute. Here's a question for you: Does CJ yeah. Stroud play into the beginning of the fourth quarter again, or Not fourth? He'll you don't think third? You think? Okay, here's, yeah. Because here's, here's what I want to see happen this Saturday for. I want to see Ryan Day say, you're going to score seven passing touchdowns and break this freaking record of six. I hope so. Everybody and their brothers got six t- passing touchdowns for the record. Like, there's like eight guys tied for it. We needed someone to get seven. Seven touchdowns. He can do Let's it. Let's try to name them. Name who they are? Yeah, for funsies. I know JT Barrett, Kenny oh, Guyton. Do you want me? Do you have it pulled open? Do I need to look this up real fast? Look it up. Okay. Because I'm going to say Art Schleister, hold on, Kenny Guyton. Okay. Before you, let me find out the exact number before you get started. So okay. I don't – because I, I threw the number eight out there, but I don't know if it's actually that. <laughs> I thought actually, there was four or five. Okay, here we go. Statistical leaders. Let's see. Let's scroll down to – where's my path? Rushing. All right, here we go. Single game passing touchdowns. There are one, two, three, four, five. But here's the deal. Three of them have done it twice. So that's eight. So I was right. Eight times this has been done, but it's been done by five guys. Okay. Aaron, you start. Okay. Art Schleister. Nope. No? Nope. Dwayne Haskins. Wayne Haskins did it twice. Kenny Guyton. Kenny Guyton did it once. JT Barrett. JT Barrett did it twice. CJ Stroud. Has done it twice. You're missing one guy. Troy Smith. Nope. Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Ah. And he did it against Clemson in 2020 in the bowl game. Ah, yep. I forgot about that. Well, it's probably because I was deployed and didn't get to see it. So. How about Kenny Guyton was the first one to do it? Yeah, he did it against California, didn't he? Uh, Florida, uh, Florida A&M. Florida A&M, okay. He won the game against California, though, as a starter. Yeah, that's right. And then he also beat Purdue in the comeback in overtime. He did do that, didn't he? Yeah, he's why he's smooth jazz, baby. That's right. One of the greatest backup quarterbacks in Ohio State history, him and Cardell Jones. Hands down, the greatest backup quarterbacks in Ohio State history. Not Dude, even the, fact, the fact Kenny Guyton didn't start is beyond me. I remember, dude, I remember seeing him when Terrell Pryor was still there, like in the spring game. And I know this doesn't necessarily mean everything in the world, but he by far outperformed Terrell Pryor. All his throws were way, way better. Okay, you want you want the stat that just blows your mind? Let's have it. All right. CJ. So CJ Stroud has twice thrown for six touchdowns. Would you like to take a stab at how many times he has thrown for five? Seven. You are so close. Eight. It was six. Six. Okay. Yep. So here they are. He has done it uh, in 2021. He did it against Purdue. Uh, Let's see. He did it against Rutgers. He did it against Maryland. Uh... Nebraska, and then this year he's done it against Toledo and Wisconsin. Hmm. Amazing. 
Well, it tells you – well, look at the development of quarterbacks at Ohio State in the last 10 years. Yeah. Especially, like, look in the last five years. Look how much better it's gotten. And Ryan Day has played the biggest part in that, I think. Because he's been with the program since, what, 2017? Six, 16, right? He's been here for six years. Yeah. He was Are you sure? Off- yeah, he was offensive coordinator. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. He was the offensive coordinator for JT's last year. Okay. So, yep. 2016. And look at the development of quarterbacks since that time. Crazy. Oh, that was 17, wasn't it? Cause you had, who was after JT? I'm missing somebody. Dwayne. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was Dwayne. So Dwayne was 2018. So JT was 2017 was his last year. Yeah. Just right. felt like he was here for ten years. It did. It did. It did. <laughs> it did. <laughs> Eric Osbeck, uh, he he submitted too. The tight end position will become a prominent part of the offense, especially near the end of the season. Already seems to be prom- more prominent than we've ever experienced before. But the tight end position will become a prominent part of the offense, especially near the end of the season. True or false? Dude. The way that they're using Cade Stover is how I thought they were going to use Jeremy Ruckert. Yeah. So agreed, I'm with you. Agreed. I am with I'm with you, Eric. I, it's already a prominent role. Look at his stats already. Look how they're well, using him. He's well, not just a blocker. Right. But when you say prominent, do you think he's meaning in in the passing game? Because well, he's look. He's obvi- uh, he obviously means the passing game because obviously because I can just hear Kevin Wilson right now say that the tight end position is prominent even if you don't catch the ball. Yeah, that's coach talk. You know what I mean? What I mean is like, unless you go to Iowa or, you know, old Michigan with with Jim Harbaugh running or Stanford when Jim Harbaugh was there or Wisconsin, like the tight end is never going to get the most targets. You know what I mean? So looking at the fact we had Jeremy Rucker, we had uh, guys in recent years that were you know, pretty solid, like Jake Stoneburner and uh, who, you know, some other guys like that, 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 that did pretty well. Cade Stover is showing that he's more athletic than those guys. You know, I I think that it's already considered prominent compared to what we've seen in the recent past or the past in general. I would even argue this too. It's not always about getting the most targets. It's about what you do with them. And his targets are counting right now. Oh yeah, they are. True. Great point, even, Chris. Even if he doesn't get a lot of yards, he's punishing defenders. Oh, yes, he is. Well, it, it, <laughs> getting these yards, it's first downs, it's touchdowns, it's, you know, he's making his touches count. Yes. So I looked up some stats early, uh, the other day. He's got, let's see, let me do some quick math here, five, eight. He's got 12, 12 receptions already for the, through the first four games. True or false? Cade Stover will have more catches than Ben Hartsock did in 2003, which was 33, which is the record at Ohio State for a tight end, by the way. Yes, Pat, yes. Uh, that, that's a true, true, true. That's okay. true. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. He's already a third of the way. He's over a third of the way there already. I know. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, best, best one. And this is from Joseph Ebright. And Joseph, by the way, says he wants to come on the podcast. And Joseph... Just for submitting this freaking epic true or false question, we're going to make that happen, dude. Um, Make sure you send me a a message. We got to get you on the show, man. This is awesome. This it just blew my mind when he when he posted this one, because this is going to be debatable. And I think we're not all going to agree here. True or false. Marvin Harrison, Jr. and Emeka Egbuka are a better duo than Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Mm. Boy, that is a good one. In their sophomore years, yes. What'd you say, Chris? In their sophomore years, yes. Are they going to finish finish as a better duo? Uh, That's tough. I mean, you're talking about two guys that both went in the top 12 picks of the NFL draft. That's a pretty good point. That's 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 tough. Uh, you know, 
Olave, I think, is probably one of the, if not the best route runner we have ever seen at Ohio State. Well, I'll tell you this much. That dude, Olave, is smooth. Yes. He's, he's silky smooth. Indeed. That's why I have him on my and fantasy Garrett team. Wilson is just, you know, so athletic and can do so much. Yeah, I mean, I... So I uh, think they're good. I just false. I look, hear you guys saying false. I I'm saying false, and that's because I I have not seen enough to say that these guys as a tandem are going to go top twelve in the draft. I can't I can't honestly sit here and say that. I'm not saying they both won't go first round, but top twelve together, I don't know. You only time will tell. Oh, gosh, this one is so tough because I think they have. I truly believe they have the potential to be better. Yes. I think, Mar- I think Marvin Harrison Jr., when it's all said and done, might be the best Ohio, well, like the best pro wide receiver come out of Ohio State since Chris Carter. Well, good Lord, I hope so. Look at his lineage. Look at the look at the mentorship he has had his whole life. Dude, dude, literally, it's written in his DNA to be great. Yeah. His that's what I mean. His mentorship, the lineage. His dad is one of the greatest to ever do it at wide receiver uh th- and that's what he grew up around that's what he grew up watching and he is just i mean the the, the physical stature the yes the, the ability the athleticism he has every you, you know in baseball we talk about five tool players this guy has every single box check mark mm-hmm. he is going to be I, I would not be surprised if he does not go down as a Ohio State's greatest receiver ever. So if if that if that statement is true that you just made right there, and Emeka Egbuka is on currently on pace to be every bit as productive as Garrett Wilson was or Olave, how is this not a true statement then? Because you just said it, Eric. If it is true, I said he has the tools to do it, and I believe he will. He hasn't achieved it yet. So what Joseph has called – what he's asking us to do is to is to look out in the future on this one, to project here. And here's, here's the only reason why I say this is false, and it could be – absolutely could be true, but at the moment false. After this year, we don't know what we're going to have at quarterback. Yeah, that's a big factor. Who's throwing him the ball? Exactly. You know what? And day I trust. Let me tell you. That's true. I'm pretty confident whoever's coming up behind will have a Heisman contender again. All right. So, so is it is it is it Kyle McCord or is it Devin Brown? Let's 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 talk about well, that. It's it's Kyle McCord right now. It's Kyle McCord. Next year it's Kyle McCord. I mean, it's obvious that he's got. If anything were to happen to C.J. Stroud, knock on wood, pray to the football gods, et cetera, et cetera, he's going Kyle McCord right now. I mean, he's made that right. perfectly clear. Right. So and, unless, and if he does, is Devin Brown still here? I don't know. So unless, yeah, so unless Devin Brown makes a significant push in the offseason, which I'm not saying he can't, I think this is Kyle McCord's job to lose next spring. And McCord has looked pretty good when he's gotten the opportunity this year. Yeah, he hasn't been bad. No, yeah, he's I, been great hand and turn around and hand the ball off. I was going to say, how many real passes has he gotten to throw? He had that, that like, one to Jaden Ballard that was pretty yes, good. Yes, the one to Ballard against uh, Toledo. But that, but even that day admitted was a broken play. It really wasn't what the play call was. Yeah. Ballard, yep. slipped, Ballard slipped past the uh, defense, and he found him and saw him. Because it was, it was mop-up duty. He was really just wanting him to just, you know, dink and dunk, get the first down, turn around and hand the football off, play nice to – a fellow team in Ohio, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes out there and throws a 70-yard bomb <laughs> that Ballard did most of the work on. Let's be Well, honest. you know what? The play was broken, and McCord and Ballard fixed it. Good enough. <laughs> there you go. There you yeah. go. I'll well, take it. Well said. Well said. Great question. I think this is, this <clears throat> is one that's going to have to be revisited, Joseph, because – only time will tell, but as of as of this moment, we're saying false, but that doesn't mean in a year we won't be saying true to that statement. 
Um, and it's really hard for me to go against my sixth grade dance shirt. He's doing it in the NFL. By the way, he was the rookie of the month, offensive rookie of the month in the NFL. That's my wide receiver. Yeah, that's your guy. That's your and Aaron's guy right smiling there. right now because he's playing me this week and Mike Thomas is down. So that just increases his touches. Facts, son. Facts. You're going down. Right now, Aaron's in first place in our division right now. And that ain't changing. After being dead last last year. so. Let's face well, it. He's got Steelers in that title. He'll find a way to blow it. What do you mean? Wait a minute. We have the most Super Bowls in history tied with the Patriots. And it wasn't until a few years ago that they caught up with us. That's all right. Bro, do they sell crack pipes at your store? <laughs> Don't tell me you, you ain't playing with the crack pipes. Chris, how many Super Bowls has your team won? Doesn't matter. <laughs> you should have said as many as mine. Hey, Eric, Eric, the Browns are undefeated in the Super Bowl. Almost there. That's, yeah, yeah. Can't, can't, can't lose it. If What's that meme where that guy's pointing to the side of his head and he's like, can't lose it if you don't play? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. gosh, that's great. Great job, everybody. Well done on submitting those true or false questions. We'll do that again later this season. That was a lot of fun. All right, guys, let's talk a little bit about our power rankings before we move on to our big game predictions and wrap this show up. So Ohio State and a team up north remain 1-2. Hey, Minnesota and Penn State flip-flopped this week after Minnesota just absolutely blitzkrieged Sparty and Penn State struggled a little bit against a Mac team. So Minnesota three, Penn State four, Maryland, despite losing to that team up north, remains at number five. In at six and seven after being near the basement is Iowa and Illinois. And guys, that's because Wisconsin and Sparty just looked so bad. We did not know. No one knew what to put there. Iowa six, Illinois seven. There's your top half. Aaron. Again, now this is a five-team race, man. This is this is terrible. When Iowa and Illinois are six and seven, I don't know what to tell you. I don't either, man. And it, it, you know, it's kind of like we discussed on the last show. You know, it's the like after the top five, it's kind of just shake them up in a bag and throw it on the table. Like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. They're all that bad. I, I just I, that's kind of just my reaction toward these rankings. It's just I don't know what else to say about it. It's 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 kind of wild. You know, Nebraska in the basement. Like what? Yeah, Tom it, Osborne, it would be, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, he, he, you yeah. know what I mean? Just that bad, dude. Like that's, I never yeah. thought in my lifetime I would see Nebraska this bad. Yeah, Iowa hosts uh, that team up north, and and of course the Michigan fans are trying to say that this is a tough opponent on the road. No, it's not, you guys. Watch some film. They said if the you, same thing against Hawaii, Connecticut. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't beat them by twenty points, twenty-one points or more then you should feel like your season's in shambles because that's a bad football team, I'm telling you. Um, so there's that to look forward to, I guess, is the, all the great uh, response from them. Penn State's got a tough one this week against Northwestern. <laughs> Dude, okay, hang on a minute. Speaking of Northwestern, did you see the new stadium concept? $6 billion. Yeah, for 12,000 fewer seats. Yeah, it's what, 35,000 I think is capacity? How are they going to pay for this? Like you're losing that much, like 12,000 seats is a lot of money. <laughs> How are they going to fund this thing? Uh, like beer know. sales because they're all well, depressed? I guess they've raised a ton from alumni. They do have a rich alumni. They do. They're a very good academic institution, so I would expect something like that. But still, man, come on. Yeah. I, it thought, looks, it, I could be wrong, but I thought I'd heard him talking on the radio today. That approximately one third of the cost of the stadium had been raised by alumni. Well, that helps. That well, certainly helps. This. When I saw that, and I know we're celebrating 100 years in the shoe, and I know this sounds sacrilegious, and people are going to be all up in arms with me. Don't you say this. There will be a day soon where that it's going to happen here, too. No. It, Aaron, what, where are they going to build it, dude? In the sky. It doesn't matter. They'll find a place, man. It'll well, be built. It, and let me tell you, with the athletic guys that we've brought in, especially at the skill positions, dome do you think they do a dome? I would I'd be all for it, dude. I love I love Indy. I love Indy. I, I could see them doing a dome. Indy. How many seats? 
That's fast. Seventy-five, eighty thousand. Yeah. Oh no. That's no. Hard to get already. Dude, that's wrong. Hey, if they did, I'm telling you straight up. If they did, how how many does Dallas hold? Jerry World over a hundred thousand. Okay, no, I think so. It'll be. it'll be Jerry World. But what I'm telling you is they would be able to host Super Bowls there. Okay, well that's that's what I'm getting at. If they were to do something like Jerry's World, I'd be okay with that. It hurts because the tradition, you know, the horseshoe. That's what we've always called it. That's what we all know and love. But if they build a Jerry's World, that puts us on another level it that does. Alabama cannot match. It does. All right, let's move forward. We can't get on this too much. This says this is an off-season <laughs> topic that we need to dive into. Minnesota actually does. I mean, they they uh, they host Purdue in an interesting game this weekend. So that keep your eye on that one. Also, Illinois and Wisconsin do battle. So. That's the seven and eight team. So the bottom half is Wisconsin eight, Sparty nine. They drop a lot. Purdue, after their win, comes up to 10. Rutgers drops a lot to 11. Indiana drops to 12. And, of course, Northwestern 13, Nebraska 14. So the bottom half, again, Wisconsin, Sparty, Purdue, Rutgers, Indiana, Northwestern, and Nebraska. So the the big games this week uh, on the docket in the Big Ten, I think, are Minnesota and Purdue. Illinois and Wisconsin. Those are kind of the games that I I feel could go either way. Um, everything else is kind of, I think, going to be chalk. And by the way, Maryland's got Sparty. I would not be shocked if Maryland doesn't score 60 on them. Yeah, that, I can see it. That, that defense they look back bad. Sparty is not good, man. Not good. All right, so there's your, there's your uh, Big Ten power rankings. Let's go ahead and let's do our uh, predictions. And uh, as I open that up here, guys, and get ready for this one, some good games uh, in college football this week. And um, right now uh, it is um, we've got Chris at 11 and six with the lead. I'm one game behind at 10 and seven. Aaron, you fell back a little bit at nine and eight. So a couple couple games to make up, and here we go. First one we will talk about is number seven, Kentucky is visiting Ole Miss, who's ranked number 14, and Ole Miss is six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I will let you go first, Chris, since you are in the lead. I'll tell you, that means these so-called experts basically believe Ole Miss is about two touchdowns better. I don't uh, think that's No, they're home, so they believe it's a pick em. Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, for me, I actually like Kentucky in this one. I like what Stoops is doing down there with that program. Give me Kentucky. All right. I'm actually going to go against you. I'm, I'm taking the home team here in Ole Miss. Uh, I think that they're going to have something for Kentucky, especially offensively here. So uh, that Kentucky hasn't seen. Uh, and what do you got, Aaron? You're going to break the tie. Dude, I don't even know. <laughs> my, my, you know what? I'll go with Kentucky. I think they're. I, I, I'm with Chris. I like what what Stoops is doing there. All right, let's go ahead and go out to the Big Twelve where. We've got number nine, Oklahoma State in the top ten now, is going to take on uh, – they're actually going to Baylor, where Baylor is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Cowboys. Aaron, this is down in your neck of the woods currently. What do you think? Dude, they might, like, tie me to a tree if I <laughs> go against Baylor because um, Baylor is in Waco, and that's – it's only maybe 45 minutes from here, um, and they get crazy on game day, believe it or not. We drove through Waco on the way to Fort Worth uh, on a Saturday last last weekend to go see uh, the comedian, and uh, it was nuts. It wasn't too much. It was like a smaller version of Columbus, but it's the same idea. But, um, you know, I, I just I, – I'm thinking Oklahoma State. Nah, I'll stick with Baylor. Give me Baylor. Are you going to go with the Bears? Yep, uh, the Bears. I'm going to agree with you. I'm taking the home team. I'm going with the Bears, too. I, I think Oklahoma State, uh, I'm kind of surprised they've been able to do this so far without Jim Knowles. So I'm thinking Baylor's got him, got him this time. 
Um, and if I'm not mistaken, didn't Oklahoma State beat them in the Big 12 championship last year? Yes. Uh, it was that no, really dramatic game there at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure they did. Give me Baylor. Chris, what you got? You know what? I hate to agree with you guys, but I have to on this one. I think that the uh, Oklahoma State, uh, I'm surprised they've gotten this far without Knowles. I'm going with Baylor as well. All right. Let's go ahead into the SEE, no, the ACC, where number 22, Wake Forest, is going to be taking on number 23, Florida State, uh, where Florida State, believe it or not, is a six and a half point favorite here against Wake Forest. Of course, Wake Forest is coming off of that big, uh, unfortunate letdown in the loss against Clemson. Uh, I, I picked Wake Forest last week. They almost won it for me until they lost in overtime to, to, to Clemson. I think Florida State's a little bit fool's gold here. Give me Wake Forest. Aaron, what you got? Um, I think Wake Forest has a little bit of experience on Florida State, and Wake Forest is pretty decent on offense, man. Like uh, I think their quarterback's name is Sam Hartman. Uh, dude's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I'll take I'll take the Wake Forest. Chris, what you got? You gonna go? Yeah, I'm Wake Forest all the way on this one. Ah, uh, hoping I could bait you into a Florida State pick there. All right, uh, number two, Alabama goes on the road to take on the Hogs of Arkansas, where Alabama is a 17 and a half point favorite uh, against Arkansas. I everybody's Bama here, right? No one's no. One's yeah. I'm Bama, but I don't think they cover. Really? Okay. I can actually see that. Well, who would have thought Texas was going to do what they did? You know? Not, not Alabama. Look, that's pretty clear. I don't think anybody saw that coming. One bad call by the ref is what cost Texas that game. Yeah. All right, and our last one here, back to the ACC, where number 10, NC State, goes on the road to take on number five, Clemson, and Death Valley, where Clemson is a six-and-a-half-point favorite, Aaron. Who you got? Wolf Tigers. Mm, you know, this is a really tough game, because NC State got them last year, I think it was. Mm-hmm. But that was in – that was at NC State. Um this is a tough call right here because, like, Clemson is beatable, but NC State's kind of sloppy. Yep, agreed. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, it's – I'd love to pick NC State, but just I've watched one of their games, and they're just a little too sloppy for me to go into Clemson and win, so I'll take Clemson. Chris? Let me tell you, Clemson does not get lucky two weeks in a row. I'm taking NC State. All right, that means I get to uh, break the tiebreaker here. I picked Wake over Clemson last week. I told you all I think Clemson loses three games this season, which means I have to take NC State, don't I? I have to. So I'm going to. Wolfpack, upset. Clemson, two years in a row. I think Clemson's a favorite champion, guys. I do as well, and that's what I mean. They're extremely beatable. It's just I've seen NC State this year, and they're just – if they it, if they played a little closer to what Wake Forest does, I I would feel more comfortable. And I know NC State's ranked higher, but I'm just I'm not sold on them yet. If they pull this upset, cool. I'll be really happy because I you know I don't think any of us are Dabo Sweeney fans. No. Um. I, well, how about this? Could there be kind of a letdown after winning an overtime against Wake Forest on the road? That that maybe that took a lot out of them, you know. It might have. That's it, I mean, it's possible, but you know, I don't really know Dabo's like strategy on re, on player recovery. You know, like we're going hard in the paint right now in Columbus. Like those guys are hitting twice a week right. um, in pads. Uh, I don't know what Clemson does. So, I mean, it's entirely possible. Yeah. And let me tell you, Clemson, their quarterback is very inconsistent right now. When he's good, mm-hmm. he's good. But when he's not. He's just not. I mean, he is bad. That's a fact. That is a fact. Yeah, my theory on why Clemson's going to lose could be also be why Wake Forest loses against Florida State, too. So, <laughs> just saying. I mean, 
that is there. So, all right. Hey, a lot of good football this weekend. Enjoy it, guys. Sit back, kick back, have fun, eat some good food. Watch your Buckeyes there at 3.30 at home. Uh, that game is on the Big Ten Network if you um, are, are unaware of where to watch the game. And don't forget, next Saturday, Ohio State goes on the road. I think they play at 4 o'clock on ABC against Sparty. And we'll be, Chris and I will be down there in Marietta at the Elks uh, Lodge having all, ta- all, all kinds of good fun with listeners and fans of the Buckeyes down there. Uh, that's our show for this week. Make sure you tune in Sunday night where we will have our uh, review of Ohio State's big win over the Scarlet Knights and Greg Schiano. Until then, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. Until next time, OH! I owe! Go Bucks! Oh, come, let's sing, oh, praise and songs through armor while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still summer's heat Oh, winter's cold, the seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, hi, oh.